0: Welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by regular rugby group uh, Sam. And then we have a special guest this evening. We have the man himself, Luke Carty, has joined us. Luke, thank you very much for joining us. How are you? Cheers, lads. Thanks for having me. No worries. So, Luke, obviously, in the news recently, signed with the the latest MLR team, the LA Giltinis. I believe it's Giltinis, is it, Luke?
1: guilty guilty' yes. um, yeah. not
0: I'm not quite I'm not a big cocktail guy, sorry <laughs> uh, so my apologies for that, but uh, yeah Luke has signed obviously with them and heading over soon enough, so we decided to ask Luke to come on to chat about it, and he graciously said yes, so Luke, before we get stuck into that sort of thing, I said we'll talk about a bit of your background. We've had some of your uh, a few mates of yours. We obviously had Niall Murray on before going up, it seems to be uh similar to all of these athletes is they play a lot of sports and then sort of narrow down on one. Was that similar to your kind of upbringing?
1: Um, Yeah, I played obviously soccer, um, Gaelic and everything growing up and in the Marist, not long where I went to school, like we're kind of encouraged to play everything. So um, yeah, played a bit of everything growing up and then probably 17, 18 years of age just uh, stuck to rugby.
0: And do you feel like playing so many sports like that growing up, does that help or hinder you do you think then when you actually then focus on the one sport like rugby?
1: I wouldn't say it you at all. Um, yeah, like you said, you have a lot of lads on who who play a bit of everything. Um, I think kind of Irish fellas, especially playing, if it's Hurling or if it's if it's football when you're growing up, it definitely is, a, um, yeah, you get lots of hand-eye coordination and football skills, I suppose, so,
2: yeah. And then you say, like, you played a good few sports, but it was about 18, you decided it was the rugby to concentrate on. Was rugby the sport that you were always kind of the best at or was it the sport where you went, you know what, I can make a career out of this, Uh Whereas you might have been better at football or better hurling or better soccer or whatever.
1: Um,
2: I think I was a bit of a soccer
1: head when I was a young fella and I got, uh, I got dropped for the Kennedy Cup. So I think my dreams of playing soccer were were out the window then. And um, yeah, I just played football in school and played rugby. And um, Yeah, I think I started to enjoy rugby a bit more probably when I was 17s, 18s and stuff like that. So that's kind of when it, it narrowed down for me.
2: Yeah, and we had we said it there. We had Niall Murray on a couple of months ago now at this stage, kind of middle of the mm. lockdown, and he reckons he was the uh the superstar minor in Ross Common and uh, in the Athlone football soccer scene. What what do you think? Is he, is he talking out of his backside or a
1: little bit. That would be that would be Niall now talking out of his backside, but he uh <laughs> no, he was he was a very good footballer, so was his um his two brothers as well were were very good. I was friends with um, Connor, his older brother and Dara's is in the academy as well. But um yeah, I, I had the I played Roscommon minor for my first year and then second year I uh, was kind of injured and didn't really play and came back came on in the first championship game and got blackouted after a minute so that was um, the end of my the end of my football for Roscommon yeah.
0: Let me guess, wasn't your fault? Referee no. made a bad call. Yeah, yeah that was course, it, exactly. Yeah. No no black card has ever been given that wasn't uh, incorrect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Enough, yeah, exactly. We'll move on to your conic days, though, uh, Luke. You got brought into the Conic Academy. What age, roughly, were you when you got brought in?
1: Um, I think I was sub-academy and stuff, obviously. That was when we were still in school, and then um, I was sub-academy my first year of school, and then I got academy, so what, my second year?
0: How big of a moment, then, was it to be brought in? Like, that obviously you know a lot of lads would dream of that so was it a big deal when you actually got the, the the nod to get in
1: yeah yeah it was unreal um obviously dreaming of it when you grow up like I can remember I was probably 18 I think and we yeah just got 19 we played an Eagles game there was a few injuries um my first September just out of school and you know you were playing with um training with like you know, on the plane against London Irish and stuff in the Majeski I can remember it was yeah a pretty big moment and uh yeah it was pretty cool
2: and then you're coming in through the academy, we hear a lot of the times and uh, other people on the podcast have talked about the influence like coaches and other players have. Was there anyone in particular in that first year or two in the academy that really stood out? I know a lot of people have always had Nigel Carolyn has been a huge influence on their career, but anyone for yourself particularly? Um, yeah, I'd say Nigel, he was kind of over the top as well, but maybe he was over kind of the whole
1: academy. But uh, Mossy Lawler, Ambrose Convoy and um, Cully Tucker were my kind of main coaches. Um, yeah, I thought Mossy in particular. He worked with me a good bit. Thought he was very good. Just kind of attention to detail and um, yeah, stuff that I would have never even come across before before uh, meeting him. So yeah, he was very good.
2: Yeah, and you say like stuff you're coming across you'd never come across before. You have the the academy and you have the Eagles and kind of we hear so much about the senior side, but what goes into the day in day out for like an Eagles player an academy player? Like, is it as full on professional as? The senior side, because everything we see is just always senior side weird yeah. like so. How what's going on with you day to day?
1: Yeah, um, I suppose it's kind of similar enough. Mondays you're in, you've gym and you might have speed or something, and it could be split up or staggered throughout the day with lads being in college and stuff. Um Tuesday you'd have a big enough rugby session and gym again. Maybe I think now the lads are saying they train. We did last year anyway, train with the seniors a good bit. Um Wednesday would be kind of your down day and then Thursday, Friday would be similar again and you might have a club training Thursday night but
0: yeah uh, You also got a chance then to represent Ireland at under 18 level can you describe what that was like for yourself?
1: Yeah, that wasn't real I remember I was still in school um, 18's clubs it was obviously a big moment for me um, it was obviously unbelievable playing playing for your country and stuff and playing with a couple of your friends so yeah, I really enjoyed that
0: What's it like when you're still in school and representing uh, your country at underage level? Uh, do you, are you walking around school like the big dick? Is it? <laughs>
1: No, no, my, my friends kept me kept me pretty humble about it, so um I didn't get a chance to get a big head unfortunately.
0: Well that's but, good. I like, yeah, to, hear I like to hear that. I like to hear yeah. that. That's good to hear. Good friends. There's some good friends. Yeah. Uh, you toured the US with the Conf Academy back in twenty nineteen uh, and you played I think the New England Free Jacks, one of the teams you played. Can you did you imagine back then that you could possibly come over and play in the States, a bit of foreshadowing? Like, how was that experience when you toured the US?
1: Uh, yeah, it was un- uh, unreal, actually. We, so, yeah, the Eagles, we played two games. We played the Free Jacks and played Ulster. Um, and, yeah, kind of I was obviously I was pleasantly surprised kind of with the the level of the quality there. Like, we played against, yeah, the Free Jacks, did a few lads from Galway playing, the Tide leader, uh, Conor Kindrigan from Athen Ryder. So, um, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then, yeah, I thought, like, geez, it's um be a pretty cool opportunity. Obviously, I was kind of focused on trying to get into the, that the senior, the senior squad mechanic. Then, but um, that's not the way things worked out. So, yeah, just looking forward to, to getting over there and getting sucked into it.
0: Lads like Tiger Leader, are they an inspiration to you now? Like following his path and what he's actually achieved, uh, is that someone you can look at or even reach out to for support in this kind of journey? Yeah,
1: I'm sure. Actually, I haven't been in touch with him. I see he's actually um, there's been a good bit of coverage. He's trying to be a kicker in the NFL, so. Yeah, wished him well. He's got a he's got a good boot. Um but yeah, there's obviously a lot of Irish lads that played in the work up there for the US. You've uh Galway man, you've Paul Mullen, a few other lads like that. So um I'm sure I'll come across them when we, we play games over there. But uh yeah, those lads have definitely kind of taken the less travelled route, you could say, and, and made a serious career for themselves out of it. So um yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting some of them lads.
0: And next step NFL. Yeah, Luke, is that what yeah. <laughs> <West> <laughs>
2: teenies won't be happy, but uh, do you have your eyes right yeah. set on kicking duties? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, geez,
1: I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't back myself there. Dave.
0: We got our headline, Sam. We got <laughs> our headline. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you said like obviously you were focused in two thousand nineteen. You were kind of focused on pushing on to the uh, senior side, and you put a lot of time and effort into the connecting. Uh, was it tough when you heard kind of, or when when the decision was made that you wouldn't be continuing on with Connacht? Uh, what what kind of was that experience like?
1: Yeah, it was was well, tough. Obviously, um, kind of knew it was a possibility towards the end there, like when it's kind of contract time in about like what February. Um, but yeah, no, like I, I friendy told me I wasn't being wasn't getting a pro deal, but he kind of said, look, I think you should keep pursuing the rugby kind of thing, and that's how the whole essentially the. Yeah, MLR Route came about, I uh, got offered to go down to one of his friends, Darren Coleman, who's now the the head coach of LA, but he was the head coach in go- Gordon in Sydney. And um yeah, I was supposed to go down there and um, play rugby there and then kind of things just worked out in my way now with the with the contract with the Gildinis. But yeah, obviously it was it was really tough and it came just before um just before the lockdown there. So I was kinda of sitting a bit frustrated, but uh look I can sit here and mope about it and say I should have been this, should have been that but just going to take some of the the feedback they've given me on board and take the positives from the few years I had there and try to try apply them when I get over to, uh,
2: to LA. That sort of conversation, sorry Smurf, but that sort of conversation, like that's not tough from a player's point of view and I can imagine from a coach's point of view. Is it like, is it as kind of in the movies sort of bring you into the office one day and just tell you or does it kind of build up over time or how does that sort of conversation come about?
1: No, I remember there's, there's definitely a week where you can kind of, it all sort of starts, lads find out if they're getting deals or not, or... um I just think I texted Eric, or texted, uh, Eric Gellwood, or I texted Randy, just saying, could I come in for a chat? I kind of knew it was around the time where they, they made the decision, but look, uh that's the way it is, life goes on, and I think I obviously learned a lot from it, and I'm just looking forward to to keep going, I suppose, and get stuck in in, in America.
0: Yeah, so that, you mentioned your the potential move down to Gordon, I actually didn't know that uh, until I researched for the podcast, but that's so that I was wondering where your relationship with Darren Coleman started because I did a bit of research on him and there was no mm. really affiliation with uh, Connacht or anything like that. So he, oh, he's friendly with Andy Friend.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, I think he reached out to Friendy saying that he know any players who were who were you know that he have a ten. I think it was a second row and um, yeah, Friendy like I said obviously about there was no contract for me, but reached out to DC as well and said what I what I fancy going down so. I was supposed to go, I remember my my visa got and the bags were packed and then obviously COVID came in, the place was shut down, so uh, yeah, I kind of went quiet rugby-wise for a few months. I probably decided uh, to do like a Masters in Dublin and just play club rugby and I signed up for the Masters and sort of gave it up on rugby and it didn't really sit that well with me. So um, I reached out to Keith Matthews, he's Jack's agent as well, but he works for me as well, kind of does some rugby stuff for me and he just threw the net out. kind of said I was American qualified and within a day or two sort of a lot of stuff came back and DC was in touch with me again just saying look I know that I go to in LA do you want to have a chat and it went from there so yeah
0: and you obviously respect DC a lot you call him DC Darren Coleman Uh, Mm -hmm. did you know much about him before this or was it just since talking to him and kind of hearing what he has to say that the, Um, the respect kind of happened
1: just talking to him on the phone. I can remember came off the phone with him and I was, yeah, you know, he seemed like a positive kind of fella. Um, and yeah, like obviously, I don't know if you've seen it, but he, he basically brought a team in two years from being last and losing nearly all the games to winning the shoot shield and Gordon and um, just talking to some of the players that have signed as well. They speak quite highly of him. So, um, yeah, just looking forward to getting out there, meeting him and meeting just a few other coaches as well. So, um, yeah.
2: And, uh it fell through in Sydney and now obviously you're going to LA uh, and you said LA wasn't really on the radar but the Sydney uh, climate and the LA climate and the Galway climate are, are very, very different. Kind of, <laughs> were you, Did you have eyes for somewhere a bit hotter and you kind of just wanted out of the wind and rain or did it just so happen that Sydney and LA were the two that came about? Uh, just so happened they kind of came about you'd say I don't know a pasty Rossi walking around the
1: place in Sydney or LA <laughs> will, will probably stand out like a sore thumb but uh, no yeah it was just probably i have been in, in Galway four years or whatever. I was probably looking to get out of it and broaden my horizons, even if it was for just a few months to play. But um, yeah, no, uh, it's an exciting move now and I'm looking forward to it.
0: Do you, think your, do you think your game will suit more of a drier conditions? Uh, obviously, when you're playing so much in the wet and wind of Galway that sometimes mm. your game sort of moulds to that uh, without even thinking. Do you think now the harder pitches and the quicker ball will suit you? um
1: look I hope so. yeah um <laughs> like you can't you can't really complain if we're we're based up near venice beach Do you know um training session probably be nice weather throw a ball around and go for a swim afterwards or whatever it is but um yeah just like obviously it was well adapted to the the rain and go away and atlones and that sunshine uh, doesn't have that much sunshine either so i was well used to it
0: better though. Better than Gola. But uh, yeah, we'll move on to the, the guillotinis. Sorry, as I incorrectly called them the guillotinis earlier on. And I think that's my first question. I think it's a question on everyone's kind of lips, hmm. uh, Luke. And I want your honest opinion. Did you know what a guillotini was before this uh, deal came about? Uh,
1: no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Darren mentioned it on the phone. It's, it's basically, uh, from my understanding anyway, uh, it's going to be a cocktail launched based on the martini that's named after our... The owner Adam Gilchrist. Um So yeah, that's that's basically where I'm at with it. I think.
2: And uh, if you were to, you know, take that sort of mentality about naming teams and to pick a co- uh, your own cocktail that you'd name, like, say, an Athlone rugby team popped up. Who? What would you go with? Like, would you go with that's the Cosmo, the Athlone Cosmos, or something? <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. It'd take a while to, to come up with a name. Of it.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll brainstorm and get back to you. We'll brainstorm and get back to you.
2: <laughs> And uh, what did the family think about the move? Like, obviously, Sydney was going to be a big trip. Uh, but now, like, LA, I'm not saying one's better than the other. But in my mind, if someone said, where would you like to go and play professional rugby, LA would be high up on the list. So what's the family think of that? Uh,
1: yeah, like, it's... A bit We're having a bit of crack about it now at the moment. They're, like, um, my, my two brothers and... Uh, my, my dad and brother-in-law are all talking about when we're getting out to Pebble Beach to play a few rounds and leave the women at home so um, <laughs> yeah like it's, it's a bit of crack hopefully COVID and stuff calms down and they can come visit me but um, yeah like it's exciting I think like you said you couldn't really pick anywhere in the world you'd, you'd rather be throwing a ball around so um, with no complaints from me
0: and I didn't know this is this is not something I knew are you an avid golfer?
1: Uh, I'm not I've I've a vicious power fade from, from left to right so uh
2: so Sam, straight. That. <laughs> if
1: straight I can get it off the uh get it off the tee
2: box i am not too bad, but it's a big issue all right mind just, mine just goes uh, straight into the driving range every time first <laughs> uh
0: well yeah, Pebble beach wouldn't be the worst place to uh you know cut your teeth on the golf courses so fair play no um uh, just before we did it take like how long did you think about making a decision ten seconds when you got offered like how did you even did did you even take ten seconds to, to say yes? Uh.
1: It was it was a bit strange. Like there was there was offers from the championship and stuff. Um, like I know that's a route a lot of lads might go down if they don't get a, a pro deal kind of in Ireland. Um, and yeah, then then there was a few other kind of other clubs because I'm American qualified as well, so that's a kind of big carry for them. Um, and yeah, kind of just a, it was more so obviously that the, the location is great, but the talk with um with Darren was good. You know, I I talked to a few other lads who'd sign, and yeah, it was from there I kind of decided I think. More than ten seconds.
2: What level of like negotiation goes into that chat with like the likes of Darren? You said you knew him anyway, which was probably de- very helpful. Yeah. But like, it's not it's not too intricate in terms of the negotiation. I presume that follows, but it's more of a Do you want to come play out here? Sort of. Here's what we got, or what sort of level of chat goes into it?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, this is my kind of first time having an interaction with it. So I uh, previously mentioned Keith, Keith Matthews. He kind of took over for me. He um, got in touch with their guy in, in LA um, about the contract and stuff and we got it sorted but um, yeah it was, it was a quick enough process and then that was almost back in July I think or May, May, June so it's um, kind of been waiting since then and obviously cold we got kind of second waves and what have you so you hear kind of horror stories about lads not getting visas so I was kind of on the back burner in my head for a while and I started my Masters there in September to kind of t- to keep me ticking over and I was working during the summer so um, yeah, look, it's good that it's all and it come together now and um yeah, like I said for the, the cliche a hundred times, I'm just looking forward to get out there.
0: Yeah, and has it really sunk in like properly that you're gonna be like living in Venice Beach, playing rugby in Venice Beach? Like you're playing your home games have been the LA Coliseum, which is just incredible. Like have you seen pictures of that stadium? It's absolutely insane. Like the max capacity is just over seventy eight thousand Obviously, your job is to help fill that, uh, Luke. So no, no pressure. But like, has it really, has it really sunk in, or is it will you, when you actually get over there and get going that it'll actually kick in?
1: Uh, I'd say it's once I once I get over there and get get training with the lads and get properly settled in. I'm obviously trying to sort out stuff at the moment, just like you know packing bags and sending stuff over and what have you. But um, yeah, I'd say the first few weeks will be a bit surreal. And um, yeah, like I say that first game. Hopefully, we can have people at it, but I'd say it'll be unbelievable the first time we, we get to play a game there.
0: Will it be annoying not seeing a Greyhound track around the Coliseum? Will that, will that be an off-putting?
1: <laughs> Definitely,
2: yeah.
0: Have a word with the owner. They might be able to put one in. They might be able to put one in. <laughs> yeah.
2: Is, like, before the move or since the move, have you kind of kept up to date with the MLO or kind of kept an eye on it? What's What do you, sort of, what you think about the standard of it? Um,
1: yeah, like, we've watched... We've been... Since... um since maybe October or November, it's been real kind of proactive with the team, like when it's training or it's uh, kind of video analysis and stuff. And I watched a good chunk of games kind of, and even the difference from, let's say two years ago to last year, even though there was only five games, um, it was, yeah, the standard seems to be on the up. Um, like you've a lot of fellas, I know you've fellas at the tail end of their career going over, but you've a couple of lads similar to me, probably Irish lads who didn't just crack their teeth to the pro rugby here and they're over there, uh, flying themselves, and, yeah, it looks like it's, it's really definitely on
2: the up. Yeah, and there's, like, the Giltinis are obviously a new team into the MLR, so the MLR has established itself, and it's getting a little bit of fan base every uh, every year's kind of building and stuff, but, like, do you have any idea what's going to go into the promotional side of trying to set up a base and trying to build fans, or have they let you know about that, or is it just get out and play rugby and hope that they all start, you know, if you build it, they will come?
1: Yeah, uh, I think COVID's probably ruined a few of their plans but I know there was a few uh, out there stuff about promoting the jersey on Venice Beach and lads and their budgie smugglers hopefully I'm not picked for that now but uh, <laughs> like, yeah there's a few the owners of obviously he's naming a team the Guiltinis he's got to be a bit out there um, so I'd <laughs> say there's once we get over there there'll be a few a few out there sort of promotional things but um, yeah hopefully nothing that puts me too far out of my comfort zone here
0: yeah I don't know man I'd see on a billboard I think the billboard could be the next <laughs> step
2: American sports like that sort of promotion goes hand in hand with it like, you, yeah you, you always got to see like the American side of things like going to an NFL game the odd time I've been lucky enough to go to them it's just it's such a huge spectacle and the MLO yeah. is kind of doing that as well which is class so that's something you got to be pretty excited about the potential for really big spectacle
1: yeah hopefully just obviously it's changed everyone that's going to outlook on things at the moment but hopefully then calms down there was i don't know talks of trying to set up tailgates before games and all this kind of mad stuff so yeah, yeah hopefully we're in pardon yeah we're we're, we're, in. we're
0: gonna go we're I'll, get you, we're I'll,
1: get you, I'll
0: get you uh, i'll get you some tickets guys. yeah oh sweet we'll hold you to that luke you shouldn't have said that <laughs> uh so we've already kind of mentioned it like la has such an amazing sports history between the lakers dodgers uh clippers now recently with the basketball are you into any of those kind of sports the the nba or yeah. the nfl
1: um, I follow I basketball probably more than football, I watched the um, hard knocks on the two LA teams actually just recently, the, the Rams and the Chargers, so yeah, um, I think we're actually at training base, it's, it's an area called El Segundo, which I think is right beside the the Lakers facility and stuff, so um, that should be pretty cool, hopefully we get to rub shoulders with them a bit.
0: See LeBron going over for a coffee and introduce yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, are you going to try and get to a few games when, obviously, when possible
1: yeah, hopefully. That definitely, it'll be something to do. Um, even, I think, baseball games are meant to be a bit of crack. Um, get to a football game in that new stadium, the, the Rams and Chargers share. But yeah.
0: um, and obviously, we have to mention as well, you are qualified, as we said, through your grandmother, I believe, to play for the States. Um, that's obviously, I assume now, is this on that's on your to-do list, hopefully, to, to progress and represent, maybe, the United States at international level?
1: Um, yeah, I, I was supposed to over for a camp there in, in October or November sorry but uh, it was cancelled with COVID. cold but yeah look it's um I'll just get over there try get settled in play well and if that comes about great if not I'll just make sure I'm, I'm doing the best I can and keep playing the best I can play but um yeah a bit of a cliche but just want to get over there and uh, get stuck into it we'll see the rest of it will take
2: care of itself and would you had any Kind of contact or talk with a uh, you obviously you know Tig Leader, you've said that, or when AJ McGinty was at Connacht for a while, you know, these USA players, like would you have had any chat with them at all, or is it all kind of a new thing to you? Yeah, a bit of a new
1: thing, but I suppose you always knew about it. Like I can remember watching, um, I think it was England versus the USA in the World Cup, and there's what five lads who were, you know, Irish lads who were moved over there and made a career for themselves. Um, so yeah, definitely. Definitely be something I'd look forward to chatting to some of them lads about if if I get the chance.
0: And would you be a home bird, Luke? Like, would you be obviously when you're a professional athlete? Sometimes it's just unfortunately it comes with the territory that you have to move away or go to a different country. But is that something you might struggle with, or are you going to be comfortable enough? Do you think those first few months? Um,
1: yeah, I'd say I am a bit of a home bird. Like, uh, you can't beat Roscommon, you know, at the end of the day. So, of course,
0: um,
1: of yeah, I, I obviously. It will be a bit of a change for me, but probably be a good one. Um, good to get out of the comfort zone a little bit and experience something different. But um, yeah, definitely a bit of a home bird.
0: Yeah, I'm from Calvin, so don't worry, I understand uh, great, <laughs> great sporting counties. So I, I get you, yeah. I get where you're coming from. Uh, obviously, with the States being known for its incredible fast food uh, and great uh, culinary delights, are you worried you might end up a prop?
1: Uh, I'll try my best not to, but uh, <laughs> I've watched a few you know, kind of cooking shows and stuff about, I not know, Koreatown and some of the, the taco trucks around LA and stuff, so I'll have to sample them, but I'll have to earn them, I can't be going there the whole time. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it yeah. was a sh- Shake Shack, uh, Chick-fil-A, all these incredible ones, so yeah, you're yeah. for choice. And uh, yeah. obviously
2: you're going over with a couple of other signings, uh, we were speaking before the podcast, I think there's the two McNulty's are Irish as well, and they're going over, will you be living all together, or do you know what the living situation's going to be when you get over there, or? yeah
1: I think it's um they're kind of they're trying to to have where we're staying kind of sorted out now and it's just putting lads together who are kind of compatible let's say so uh, that' roughly the same age and stuff like that so uh yeah hopefully you don't get a a proper or a snore or something like that um but yeah I'm looking forward to obviously someone else who's going to be probably in the same boat as me moving moving abroad for the first time and yeah it'll be exciting
0: and do you have the sun cream ready to go yeah i'm I'm definitely not a tanner i'm a
1: I get sunburnt or I get freckles. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's really me.
2: And have you got a peek of uh, any of the Giltini's training gear? Because obviously from our experiences of living around Galway is uh, a lot of professional rugby players live in nothing but their professional (laughs) Is there some pretty slick stuff? Maybe some sleeveless t-shirts, you know, for walking around the beach on or what's the, what's the kind of gear like?
1: Um, Yeah, we've, they actually let it, I I haven't been part of it, but they've let the the players organise a good bit of it. Um,
2: and i think it's the kind
1: of keeping under wraps i haven't seen much so it'll be pretty cool just getting the kit bag when we arrive over and, and seeing some of the stuff um i'm sure there's going to be an away kit that'll be a bit out there maybe star From say early oh, sort of. oh yeah uh, yeah and
0: the buddy smugglers as well that yeah. with the away jersey that's going to be quite the luck.
1: Yeah. i think mine got lost i won't be able to wear mine so um, <laughs> oh no it's yeah.
0: a shame it's <laughs> a shame uh, yeah look I think that's that's all we have for tonight so I really do appreciate you coming on the podcast as we said we are very excited to see your next step and follow that journey uh, like we are with Tag Leader and Paul Mullen as well who have been on the podcast so uh, thanks again for joining us and uh, we'll do it maybe again sometime when you're representing the, the states uh, at Fly Half.
1: Thanks to me, lads cheers for having me.